Today's episode of Seven the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. Yeah. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to the update. We are here with our NFC East preview pod. We have uh, gone through the AFC North, NFC North, AFC East, and NFC East. So we're about, well, not about halfway. We are halfway through the NFL season previews. I'm here with Justice Mosqueda today as we. Uh, just kind of preview the uh, NFC East, what we think is going to happen, teams to watch for, uh, teams that may take a step forward, teams to take a step back. Uh, and I think we're on the same page with the team we want to start off as our fourth place team, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that is that correct? No, oh. not at all. Okay, excuse me. Well, we can talk about the Eagles, but I, I, th- I have the Eagles as the second team in this in this uh, division, but right. I, they're, they're pretty close with the Giants, but I, yeah. I had watched it by far as, as number four. Yeah, I, I can see that. They did lose. Uh, let's talk about their defensive line transactions this year, because I, I don't understand how they let Chris Baker walk for about the same amount of money that they gave Stacey McGee, and I think we're both on the same page right. with, with Chris Baker being a far superior player to Stacey McGee, and you know, with Tampa Bay, and we'll get to this when we get to uh, the NFC South. Tampa Bay just got Chris Baker, who's, I think, maybe the most underrated in def- uh, interior defensive lineman in the league, and they just tossed him next to Gerald McCoy. So that's going to be a fun defense to watch. But, yeah, I did not understand that move. And I, I guess you rectify it a little bit by taking John Allen in the first round, but to ask him to come in and be as good as Chris Baker from day one is, is a pretty tall task. Yeah, I mean, Chris Baker was one of the guys. So I, I uh, scouted the 34 34- defensive ends in the NFC for Bleacher Report's NFL 1000 project, right? And I really didn't understand how good Chris Baker was until I started doing this. Like, he wasn't really a national name or anything like that. But I think he he must have finished top five in terms of three, four defensive ends for us, like, at least, like, 80% of the weeks. Like, basically, that defensive line played Chris Baker, Ziggy Hood, uh, Ricky Jean Francois, and uh, Colin Jenkins. Colin Jenkins is still a free agent. Baker went and signed with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, Jean-Francois ended up signing with the Packers because he kind of spoke out against the Redskins organization, and they they were just, like, gone. Like, they straight rushed him. Like, they were just like, <laughs> you just disappear, reappear in Green Bay. So, really, they only retained – like, the only guy who played a significant amount of snaps who they retained on that defensive line was Ziggy Hood. Um, like you said, they, they signed Terrell McClain, right. Stacey McGee. Those are good depth guys, but I don't think those are guys that – you can't really hang your hat on them being like 16-game starters playing at a high level. And I think that Jonathan Allen thing will probably play out, you know, long-term in terms of him replacing Chris Baker, right? But, you know, out the gate, that, that defensive line, you know, it might be deeper now than it was last year. But I think they're kind of lacking some star power. And that's that's not really a team that, you know, could afford, uh, you know, losing losing talent in terms of, you know, run defense. Yeah. Uh, in that pass rush... See, this I I was looking at the uh, like Preston Smith sacks throughout the season, and I, right. I I'm I'm with you on you know I've talked I know you've talked about this before about half half sacks being a misleading stat. So if you yep. go back and watch Preston Smith's season, he was 
you know, in on eight sacks again. So like he or seven sacks. So he was one sack short of his rookie season total of eight. But he only got credited with four and a half. And you think about it like, man, you can just count like one sack as a team sack, but each individual guy also gets a sack on their part. So I, I think the four and a half sacks on Preston Smith season is a little bit misleading on how good he actually was. I mean, he closed the end of that. He closed that Vikings game down when the Vikings were trying to come down in the fourth. Uh, and I, I kind of like that little pass rush trio they have between Ryan Kerrigan, who I think is immensely underrated, Preston Smith, and then uh, Trent Murphy's a solid player too. So if if uh, Kerrigan can continue to be you know a, a double digit sack guy, and Preston Smith can make that leap in year three to be a double digit sack guy. That could mask some of the problems on the interior, but still, I, letting Chris Baker walk was kind of crazy. Yeah, and so this is one thing that I want to talk about real fast, just a little pluggy plug for our site and the little project that we're running. That tackles plus thing that we're doing, which is basically tracking every tackle within three yards of the line of scrimmage for every defender because tackles is a fraudulent stat in the first place, right? Um, that is going to count, you know, what you would think of as like assisted tackles like so they count assisted tackles as assisted tackles right like it's something that you register on like nfl.com but you don't have like assisted sacks so you can't like two sacks could mean four half sacks or two full sacks right um in our tackles plus uh thing that we're gonna run weekly on setting edge you know that that's gonna be they're gonna be separated like a sack is gonna count as a sack whether you assist or not same with tackles for a loss um junior galette coming back as as a you know a pass rusher is kind of interesting but like that guy hasn't played in two years you know last time we saw him he recorded 22 sacks over the last two seasons that he played um but there's some issues there uh trent murphy serving a four game ped suspension and like you you look at guys even like um bruce urban right it's like bruce urban's rookie year you know, even though he was crazy undersized, he had four sa- or eight sacks as a rookie. Uh, he had his PED suspension and then basically vanished and transitioned to an off-the-ball linebacker position. Um, you see guys like Demarcus Lawrence last year, right? Where Demarcus Lawrence, I think he had an eight-sack season too, uh, coming into last year, had a PED suspension and looked nothing like his old self. Um, so I, I have legitimate questions about that. You know, they added Ryan Anderson. Uh, he's he's an NFL player, right? Like he's an effort guy. Uh, he for sure plays special teams, but like I don't think that that's not a starter, and they drafted him I think at the second round. So yeah, they did. Um, they, they they have a lot invested in those pass rushers, but I think it's still you know Ryan Kerrigan who consistently gets seven sacks, like seven or more sacks a year. I think I don't think he's gone under that number his entire NFL career. He's kind of hidden in that 2011 draft class that's just so loaded at pass rushers, but he's crazy underrated. And then I think you know number two with a bullet is Preston Smith. Like, that is the guy that they need to build around for the future. It's not going to be Trent Murphy. It's not going to be Junior Gallette. You know, it's not. It's he- sure as hell not going to be Ryan Anderson. Um, Preston Smith is the second-best pass rusher on that team, and that shouldn't be, ever be overlooked. Yeah, hopefully hopefully that – hopefully, I mean, I kind of like uh, Terrell McClain at this time from Dallas, and hopefully he can be a guy to step up in terms of their run defense because I'm looking at the, the numbers that we have set up for our previews, and he the Redskins were – 27th in yards per carry last season and right you know they they do have a sua cravens who played pretty well as a rookie but he was in and out of the lineup with concussion issues and i, I think we have guys like that their long-term outlook is always a little bit murky but when he's on the field he can play i i just i don't think they did enough to their front seven and now that i think about it yeah they're they are the clear fourth place team uh especially after letting Pierre Garçon go to San Francisco and uh, Djax go to Washington. So this 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 is an offense. Tampa. Or Tampa Bay. Excuse me. Excuse me. 
Now, this is an offense that's reliant on Kirk Cousins, and I know he posted good stats last year, but he he kind of had like those early Matt Ryan season stats, like early Matt Ryan career season when you know you, you're doing a lot of damage between between the red zones, but once you get inside, that's kind of where you falter. And I think that Thursday night uh, or the Thursday day Thanksgiving game against the Cowboys, when he had like 500 yards and like one touchdown passing, is a good example of like the limitations that Kirk Cousins gives you. And if, even if you don't, our, our pal Keen Faye, he's done a lot of work uh, with his quarterback catalog. And Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, they, they made a lot of Kirk Cousins' errant throws completions. Like Deshaun Jackson is so good at tracking the ball down the field so that Kirk Cousins will throw it way outside his right shoulder, but D-Jax is so fast and he has such good focus on the ball that he'll come down and make those plays. And I think those plays make Kirk Cousins look a little bit better than he is. And, that's going to be regression uh, this season. Absolutely. I mean, really the only receiver that – the only significant receiver, right? Uh, they, they obviously had Josh Doxson who didn't produce for him. Uh, Terrell Pryor is going to transition to that to that offense too. Um, but the only significant receiver that they have returning to the team is, you know, Jamison Crowder. And uh, th- that's what I wrote too is like this is the year that we figure out what Kirk Cousins actually is. And I know it's always supposed to be the year that we figure out what Kirk Cousins actually is. Um, but with those guys gone, right, and if you truly believe, like Keen Fahey says, like interceptable passes, right, and that, that that averages out and that those receivers uh, were helping, you know, erase those plays, right? Like we're going to see it this year. If, if that was the if that's the legitimate truth, we're going to find out at the end of this year. Um, so, like, I, I think his future is kind of up in the air still, right? Uh, Jay Gruden, like, quietly has lost a lot for a guy who's, you know, has three years under his belt. Like every other coach – that has three years under his belt and has lost at the clip that he has in, you know, the past decade has kind of been on the hot seat. He's not. I mean, obviously, they don't have a general manager or any like any sort of like power structure, apparently, in Washington. But that's just kind of odd to me. You know what I mean? Like like they're kind of they're kind of settling for mediocrity right now. And I think it might be hurting them that they invested. They, they keep giving guaranteed upfront money to Kirk Cousins and. I don't know how long you can keep that shit going. Yeah, neither do I. So now, now I think about it, you're right. Clearly the fourth-place team going into the season. So third-place team, who you got? I got the Giants. Yeah. And I, I think with the Giants, a lot of it is going to come down to what is Eli Manning going to look like? Because at the back half of the season and in that playoff game, I know Odell had a couple of drops, but still, those passes are, they're dying quick on Eli Manning. And it, it's, it, that's what the whole season hinges on. Now, with their defense, uh, they were really good against the run last year. They were uh, second in yards per carry, 15th in tackle for loss percentage. So when you add a guy like Damon Harrison, that it's usually the spike you see in, in your, your yards per carry. They lost Jonathan Hankins to the Colts, but they drafted a pretty good replacement in uh, Dalvin Thompson from Alabama. Now, what, where the issues on their defense come is those the pass rushers. And they gave a lot of money to JPP and Olivia Vernon the past two offseasons, and I just don't know that you're ever going to see a return on your investment that makes those two contracts worth it. 
Yeah, they're two of the four most expensive defensive ends of football. Like that that's just kind of the deal. Um I think they were hoping that they could hit on Oa, who, you know, was coming on a discount. Everyone knew that he had hip issues coming out of college. Um it's something that's been known. I mean, he, he played football up in Oregon for uh, David Douglas. You know, his hip issues have been known since he was a five star recruit as a senior. So you know, it's it's not like this shouldn't have been something that blindsided the Giants. You know what I mean? Um, they ended up having Kerry Wynn and uh, Romeo Okwara, I, I think that's how you say his name, playing significant snaps ahead of him last year. And basically, like, when, when JPP or Olivia Vernon were out of the game, and that basically did not happen when they were healthy. Like, they had to play every single snap. Um, those two were coming in. You know, they had a late signing in Devin Taylor. They drafted Avery Moss, who I think both of us are – we're pretty good. Like we're pretty big fans of him for where he landed, like a fifth round pick. Um, yeah, I think, Avery Moss I think, is kind of like that guy that Seattle has, Cassius Marsh. Where yeah, he, that, that's just kind of a guy you want to have in a defensive line. Maybe like yeah, a two like, three sack guy, but some good pressure when he's in the game. Yeah, you're like he's my fourth defensive end. I'm probably gonna be, you know, I, I'm probably in a good spot. Um, but yeah, defensive end is for sure an issue for him. Um, linebacker, the way that they use their assets on the offense is kind of weird because like they they really did like if you. Okay, so if I ask you where did the Giants finish in sacks, you know, sack percentage last year, what what would you think? If I didn't have this in right in front of me, I would have guessed probably like average, you know, 15 or 16. Yeah, because they're offensive. Like when you have Eric Flowers and Marshall Newhouse playing a lot of snaps, man, like I just assume your quarterback is dying. They finished third. And I think a lot of that would have to be like quick game stuff. Like I, that's not something that I've looked into significantly, right? Um, but they've dumped a bunch of assets into like pass catchers instead of offensive line help. So like they have Evan Ingram and Rhett Ellison and Brandon Marshall, but they already have you know Sterling Shepard in the slot. Uh, Will Ty was their third, you know, their third receiver last year. Uh, obviously they let go of Victor Cruz. So it's like they're in a really weird position where I don't understand how they can get all of the guys that they have that they want to get on the field on the field unless they're just going empty the entire time. Like they're going to get negative return on investment for all the assets that they've dumped into, you know, offensive skill players. So like let's say Rhett Ellison is the number two tight end on the team, right? He signed a four-year $18 million contract like three months ago. Evan Ingram was drafted as a tight end like two months ago. If he's a slot receiver, that means Sterling Shepard, who was the number two receiver on the team, is off the field. So, like, I, I, in some ways you can look at it as flexibility, but it's flexibility at everything other than running back. You know what I mean? So I, it's, it's kind of like they're going to have to try to put on a bunch of hats this year. Yeah, and I, I, I just don't understand where, where is the improvement in the running game supposed to come? Because they were uh, – let me see – they were 30th in yards per carry, and uh, that I, I don't think they did enough to improve there. They added DJ Fluker from uh, San Diego, but, I mean, he, he's been no. a colossal bust so far. He can't, <laughs> he can't really play. I, and I guess they added Wayne Gallman in the fifth round of the draft, but you're, really, you're going to go in with Paul Perkins and Wayne Gallman. Uh, like, it, it just seems like you, like you said, it seems like a total uh, – you know, they, they just put so many resources into pass catching, but they kind of ignored running the ball, which was a, like I thought was a bigger problem for them last year than throwing the ball. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you're looking at one upside in the running game, right, um, Shane Vereen come, returning from, you know, injury, health issues. He had 4.8 yards per carry last year behind that same offensive line that Rashad Jennings had 3.3 yards per carry for, right? right. Uh, Paul Perkins was, you know, basically more than a half a yard worse than him. Um, so we have a limited sample size on what Shane Vereen looks like there, but I would say that if you're looking for an upside, that's probably what it is. I wonder 
how much this team looks like old Peyton teams, right? Like the tail end of the Denver era, or he's just leaning on like Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, Bebe, right? Where he's just leaning on those guys. It's a lot of quick game. It's a lot of tight end stuff. Um, they're not running the ball much. You know, he's in the gun. I wonder how much that has to do with like what Eli's, you know, the plan for Eli moving forward. Um, but man, like, if they get in any sort of situation where they have to pass the ball deep, like last year, they this was a team that was very lucky in games, right? Like this is one of the teams that is a regression team. Uh, they had three big wins. They had two big losses, uh, multi-score wins, multi-score losses. Um, they basically were the same team in 2015 as they were in 2016. Obviously, their strengths on their team shifted a little bit, but the ultimate output, they were basically the same. The only difference is one of them got unlucky in, big game, or in close games, and one of them got, you know, they got really lucky in close games. So... The issue here for me – hold up. I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? <laughs> I, I don't know. I zoned out for a second because you just, you just ran. Oh, the biggest issue for me, okay. They were, they, I remember. I got it back. So they were very lucky in closed games last year, right, which means they didn't have to really trail, right, which means they weren't really – their, their hands weren't forced into passing situations, okay? Right. Um. If they are forced into passing situations and, like, Eric Flowers starts to, like, like your team basically goes as Eric Flowers' efficiency goes, you are in a much worse spot than you were last season. Yep. And, man, I, I, I yeah, you're right. This is a team that's in, in store for a regression. They, they just kind of – they didn't really – they didn't allocate the resources very well. I don't know. They they kind of had a weird off season. It's like adding Brandon Marshall and Evan Evan Ingram. I mean, those that can be the same type of player in your offense. I, I I that that felt a little bit redundant to me, especially when you have Odell already on the roster and he's about to get a monster deal. Uh, either uh, probably next off season. I I I'm not sure the Giants have a very clear direction on on where they want to be. Also, sidebar for the uh, for the Giants. These people are mad at some people are mad at Odell Beckham for skipping OTAs. Dude, what what is Odell Beckham gonna do at OTAs? Like, what what's the why does he need to be there? I don't know. Uh, there was a piece that I was interviewed for on the Ringer a couple uh, months ago where they asked me about because I, I coached receivers last year, right? I coached receivers DBs at the high school that I that I went to school at. Um, and they were asking about you know what what's the difference in like kids now and things like that. And I was like, dude. Like the entire practice, kids are just trying to do one-handed catches. I don't know if you saw that, you know, at your school. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And I was like, yo, I'm gonna kill these kids because like they get in games, they don't know how to make contested catches. But like, you know, in practice, they're trying to do one-hander. So like, keep Odell Beckham like away from any practice field possible, and that's like, you're making America better. I was, I'm not gonna <laughs> say great, you're making it better. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the second place team then, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. What what makes you think that this is a team that can take a step forward? Um, fifteen teams were t- more than two games under five hundred uh, under five hundred in the past decade. Okay, uh, in close in single score games, and every single one of them improved their record the next year by an average of four to five games. So, like, just on paper, the Eagles were ex- extremely unlucky last year, 
and should be in a position to win a lot more games this year. Uh, obviously, I still have like personally, I have concerns about Carson Wentz, but there's so many areas that they, you know, have improved that that it, it's kind of hard for me to think that they don't take that next step because they 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 did lose some big games, but they won a bunch of uh, they won a bunch of multi-score games last year. Um, they just got really unlucky. Um, I'm not a huge Carson Wentz fan, but like just even getting Lane Taylor back for 16 games or Lane Johnson back for 16 games, right? Uh, Jason Peters and Lane Johnson are the best bookend duo in in the sport. Like I, I don't really think it's close. Like I think Brian Balaga and, and uh, David Bakhtiari are probably second, but just even just getting that back for a second year quarterback and seeing the splits between what Carson Wentz looked like when when uh, Lane Johnson was and wasn't there, right? Um, just drastic. Yeah, I, I'm with you though. I'm with you on, on Wentz, at least. I'm, I'm just not sold. I was I, When I was going back to make that video, I was just kind of watching a handful of Eagle games, and I, I just don't understand why... Well, I, I get, like, why Eagles fans are crying him, because, like, it, that's your team. What the hell else are you going to do? But if for the other 31 teams, and, like... Or not 31 teams, but the other media people who are crowning Wentz, I, I don't see it yet. I, he, I think he has a lot of work to do. Uh, especially with his deep ball passing and reading underneath coverages. I mean, he had some brutal plays versus the, the Ravens in, in the back half of the season. That I, I think the key for the offense really hinges on can Carson Wentz take the next step. Now, I, I like that they added Alshon Jeffrey, but like it, it's 2017. I still don't know if Alshon Jeffrey is really that good, you know, because he, he's always in and out of the lineup. And then when uh, going back to Key and he – he uh, asked the question, is Alshon Jeffrey a top 20 receiver in the league or a top 15 receiver in the league? And the, when you think about it, it's fairly easy to put 15 or 20 guys over Alshon Jeffrey. And this is a guy that's going to be in and out of the lineup most likely. Uh, and you had a Torrey Smith and Jordan Matthews who you know, are both pretty average guys. I, I, I just think that this offense hinges on Wentz a lot more than we're putting forth right now, and I don't know if he's ready to, to step up to the cause. This is this is one thing that I'll say. Uh, Football Outsiders has a uh, stat. It's defensive adjusted yards above replacement, right? So it's basically like what a receiver does, what, what a receiver looks like uh, across the league relative to what a certain player does individually, right? Um, every single one of the Philadelphia Eagles receivers had a negative number last year, and Alshon Jeffrey basically made 134 extra yards uh, for the Bears last season, even in limited time. So, like Jeffrey, like still is by far like the number one receiver on this team. Yeah, uh, and I know we've heard like weird things out of like Eagles camp. I mean, it's OTAs, man. You can't make uh, anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really paying attention to OTAs <laughs> or mini camp. That's, that's why. That's why we're doing this instead of writing about mini camp stuff or undrafted free agents. So. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you think about the Eagles' defense? Because I, I mean, I love their defensive line. Fletcher Cox uh, is a beast. You know, top two or three defensive tackle in the league. Uh, they added Timmy Jernigan from the Ravens, who is a really good fit uh, for Fletcher Cox next to, or a really good fit for Fletcher Cox since Benny Logan went to Kansas City, and uh, Brandon Graham, who will never get the praise that he deserves. Uh, they added Chris Long and Derek Barnett in the first round of the draft. Now, what? Now this is I, I don't think I ever asked you this. What did you like that pick of Derek Barnett at fourteen? Because that felt a little bit high to be taking like your your third pass rusher. That's that's too early for me. I know a lot of Eagles fans will say like Derek Barnett's going to be our number one pass rusher in like three years or something like that. But um, that that was too high for me. I mean, like I said, like I had Derek Barnett probably the thirties. I would want to say something like that. 
like late late first early second um but hey man what whatever you need to do to get Vinny Curry off the field yeah that contract was a disaster <laughs> I, I, and we all I think we all knew like people normal oh, people no, we, knew. we did all, not all know Fisis was out here talking propaganda about how Vinny Curry is one of the most underrated pass rushers in the league and they were like no nah, this is his year and look at his athletic numbers he's actually very underrated athletically when that's not that's not the case at all like you could like just look at his numbers he's not that athletic um that that contract is leg- that is one of the worst contracts in the league we'll talk about it with Dallas where they moved uh what's his name uh Lawrence no not Lawrence I forget his name uh, the defensive tackle from Boise State who moved out to defensive end, that's a horrible contract. The only other the contract that I could think of on that level in the NFL is this Vin, this, uh, Vin Curry contract. Are you thinking like, about DeMarcus were, Lawrence? No. It's not DeMarcus. Is it DeMarcus Lawrence? No. That's the only guy from Boise State they have that I, I can think of. Uh, Crawford. It's oh, whatever. Jack Crawford. The, wait, the Falcons signed? No, the other one, Tyrone Crawford. Oh, t- oh, Tyrone Crawford. Yeah. Oh, there's man. too many. There's too many defensive linemen who have played for the Cowboys over the last like two seasons. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh man, I completely forgot about him. He's he's on like a, he's like a fifty million dollar player. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's insane. Yeah, and the, the crappy thing about the Vin Curry contract is like you can't even get out of it. Like they're in year two. Like they're gonna have to see it through year three at least. So like, I don't know, man. They're, that's just a bad situation. But Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan. Um, Brandon Graham. I mean, if you have guys like Chris Long and Derek Barnett as your your fourth and fifth pass rushers on that team, that's, that's that's not a bad spot to be in at all. Just keep Vin Curry Vin Curry off of the field. Uh, linebackers, they're basically returning everyone on the team. Cornerbacks, they they've ramped up a lot. Like they they added uh they added Sidney Jones in the second round. We don't know how he's going to recover from his Achilles injury just yet. They added Russell Douglas. Um, they bring back you know Malcolm Jenkins, Rodney McLeod. McLeod? Is that you saying his uh, name? Yeah, McLeod. McLeod. Yeah, I can't say anything, man. And then uh, Jalen Mills, you know, all three of those guys were at least half decent last year. They lost Nolan Carroll, but I think, you know, getting Sidney Jones long-term is going to balance out with that Nolan Carroll thing pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's still just a little bit of doubt in the secondary. And this, like, this, is, this is just – it sucks because this is a, a glaring weakness to me at least on what could be just one of, one of the elite defenses in the league. And it, it's, it's hard like, when you have uh, a really good pass rush that can't even make, that, that can't make your corners look good. We always talk about how pass rush helps the cornerbacks, but, I mean, sometimes garbage is just garbage. And that was, that was the case for it last year, where, where the Eagles, they had a really good pass rush. You know, I think Brandon Graham uh, was pro, 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 uh, pro football focus. He was one of the top, you know, three or four uh, productive pass rushing defensive ends in the league. And that, that pass rush, uh, uh, that pass coverage was still just atrocious. So I, I think the biggest question marks with the Eagles are Wentz and the cornerbacks. But if the, like, if those guys can take a step forward, then Hey, this, this probably is the second best team in the uh, NFC East. But let's go to our first place team, the Dallas Cowboys who struck gold last year in the draft by finding their f- future, or not future, by finding a franchise running back, future starting three technique, and a franchise quarterback all in the same draft. Yeah, um, they're they're kind of built to last. I mean, last year uh, I think it was I think I wrote that it was eighty five percent of the offensive touches either went through Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott last year, and those guys are locked in through like twenty twenty. I want to say, yeah. So like their their offense is basically locked in. Um, they have 
you know, four great offensive linemen. Uh, they have they have some receiver talent. Um, everything else is kind of a little bit questionable. Questionable though. Like so, when you look at this team, the depth on this team, the the difference between their number ones and their number twos is amazing. It's, like I, it's I, I, drastic. It's it's like this is a team that easily like two injuries could completely collapse the entire season. Like it would not surprise me if Dallas is the number our number one team in the NFC East, right? Right. But it would not surprise me if this team ended up taking. It, it, they looked like the Minnesota Vikings last year, where they start off crazy hot and then it just, they just fall off a cliff, and people are wondering, you know, what the hell happened here? And it ends up being like, oh yeah, one of our guards got hurt, and we literally have no one with experience, or like, you know, we didn't have that many pass rushers to begin with, and we lost a linebacker, so now our defense have massive holes. Yeah, I, and staying with the pass rush, I just don't know where it's supposed to come from. I mean, I, I think Malik McCall- Malik Collins. Uh, He's going to be a solid player in the league, and he had a pretty decent rookie season. I think he had four or five sacks. Um, but outside of him, you, you know, you have David Irving, who's basically just a, a flash guy, and that's pretty much it. I think, unfortunately, we can both say that Randy Gregory's career appears to be over, so I don't think you can yep. count on that anymore. Demarcus Lawrence is a guy who's always in and out of the lineup. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know where it's supposed to come from. Now they added Taco Charlton in the first round, but if Taco Charlton's your best pass rusher, you have a long way to go before you can be a, a team that really scares people with the pass rush. And it sucks because, you know, I think we saw with Atlanta uh, towards the back half of last season. If you have the athletes up front, all you got to do is get a league and just let those let those guys run. And that's kind of how they let. That's how they they kind of got to Super Bowl. Now with Dallas, you you have the same ability on offense. Go get those leads. But you don't have anybody that can counter that on defense and really rush the passer. So I, it's, it's going to be really heavy on the offense again. And if, if they, you know, if Tyron Smith gets hurt or Zach Martin gets hurt or, God forbid, Dak Prescott gets hurt, they're, they're, they're one injury away from for a very long season. Yeah, and one thing that I wanted to talk about is the secondary. Like, you don't really think about Dallas' secondary as a strength at all, right? No. But they lost, they lost four guys. Who on the on the open market where NFL teams without a hot mic around them, right? Without all the coach speak, will tell you exactly how much they value a player. They lost four guys who average at least three million dollars per year on the contracts that they signed. There are only two other teams in the league who had that many free agents leave on the defensive side of the ball who qualified for those numbers. So, like by far, in terms of depth, the Dallas Cowboys lost more depth this free agency period than any other team in the league. Now they signed uh, Nolan Carroll, right? They ended up drafting uh, uh, Chidobia Wuze and Jordan Lewis. But I, like both of those guys were kind of projected into the slot. And then what do you do with Orlando Skandrick? Like this team needed outside cornerbacks. And I'm not sure that, you know, unless a Wuze hits, right? Um, athletically, he should though. Athletically, he should. Um, but this team's just kind of in a weird spot. Like with, they just have so many questions, and they lean on so many young guys because they're paying their veterans so much money that it's hurting them in depth. Like Galen Smith still hasn't played a game. We don't know if he's going to play a game anytime soon. Uh, I wrote about this that uh, basically more more than half of their top 101 picks, right? Because I wanted to fit in uh, Charles Tapper, who I think has like a hereditary back issue and had to miss last season um, from 2014 through through, through uh, 2016. So guys who are on on rookie contracts who have veteran experience, right? Half of the more than half of those guys include the names of DeMarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Chaz Green, Jalen Smith, and Charles Tapper. Like there, there's not it's not a mystery why this team is lacking depth right now. It's like it, it, they're not 
they're not hitting high in the draft. And that's a, that's a massive issue. I mean, that's what brought down the Jim Harbaugh 49ers. Yep. And I, I think that, you know, they, they did knock it out the park with that draft class last year, but they, they got to keep, keep uh, just building through the draft. And, you know, until that Romo contract is completely 100% off the books, you're going to have to hit on these draft picks. Now, I want to talk to you about uh, a woozy, and you should, you should talk about that, uh, the cornerback athletic traits research that you did a little bit and why Awuzi projects to be the best one to hit between uh, him and Jordan Lewis. Yeah. So uh, it's something that I looked at when I was doing my Ted Thompson, uh, basically like player profile things, like looking at what type of bodies Ted Thompson looks at uh, for Cheesehead TV. If you guys want to go look at that, I don't know why the hell you guys would, but that, that's something to keep in mind if you're following the Packers for like 2018, very specific people. Um, basically, so like over the last decade, first round cornerbacks who have a 6.873 cone, who run under a 4.540 and were within an eighth of an inch of 5.11, right? Those are basically like the standards of like what Ted Thompson looks at. Um, the veteran guys on that list are Patrick Peterson, Stephon Gilmore, Darrell Dar- Rivas, Dominic Rogers Cromarty, Leon Hall, Keep Talib, Desmond Trufant, Vontae Davis, and then we have Bradley Roby, Demarius Randall, who was hurt last year, and William Jackson, who basically didn't play because they were so deep at cornerback, right? He, also, he, he, I, tore, I, he tore his uh, pack in uh, minicamp. Oh, he tore his pack. That's what it was. But basically, so uh, other than those three guys, Roby, Randall, and Jackson, who have only been in the league since 2014 – Every single one of the other cornerbacks have made a Pro Bowl and All-Pro. Um, like he, He's like a faster version of like Casey Hayward, basically, athletically. Um, he, he's a guy I was a huge fan of. Like I, th- I think uh, he was super high for me. I was super high into, uh, what's his name, uh, Gary and Conley. He was yeah. kind of the same way, the kid out of Ohio State. Like Those are the type of cornerbacks that I would look at if I were a GM, but no one's going to ever give me a team ever. But like that, that's one reason why you look at him. Uh, Jordan Lewis, also short cornerback, man. Those guys don't hit. And if they do hit, they don't last long. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bank on, on Jordan Lewis being the guy that emerges from that secondary. I, I think it's got to be a woozy. Um, yeah, so I think that kind of covers it for our NFC East preview. Where are we starting with uh, for tomorrow? Uh, we're doing AFC South, so like get ready for – who do you, who who do we want to do? Do we we should start we should talk about this right now. You just get, over, get it over with the Jags. Just get Jags? the Jags. Over. Yeah, if we're doing the Jags, okay, we'll do the Jags. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap up our NFC East preview. Uh definitely check out settingedge.com and go uh read our season previews and also read uh two articles by pals Derek Klassen and Tony Chiato. It was fantastic work. Derek wrote about uh like, you know, how sacks kill drives and uh Tony wrote about expected points added in regards to throwing deep. So definitely two fantastic articles. Uh, Go follow Derek at QB class. That's Q-B-K-L-A-S-S. And uh, Tony's at football equity. That's uh, F-B-A-L-L equity. So we'll be back tomorrow with uh, the Jags, unfortunately. So if you don't read that, that's, that's perfectly fine. And we have a podcast this week. Oh, yeah. We have a podcast on Friday with Taylor Rooks. Uh, we're probably going to ask her why her picture at Summer Jam is making the rounds through the internet. Well, I think we know why, but we'll still have to talk about it. <laughs> 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 we'll see you guys later. <laughs>